Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Lord, we also thank you for your word today as we get into it, Lord. Thank you that uh, your anointing is on your word. Father, thank you that you helped me to minister your word. Father, that you strengthened me with spiritual might. You strengthened me with physical might as I, we uh, open your word today and get into it. Father, thank you that you give everyone ears to hear that this would be easy to understand and that we could leave here and take it with us in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And so today we're starting a series that we call Bulletproof. And you'll know why we're calling it that soon. Uh, it's, it's from a scripture in the book of Ephesians. And so the first thing I'd like to do as we get into this, and uh, by the way, uh, I allowed them to use me in that photo. Um, I'm getting a little more bold about myself, you know, and I'm not so ashamed as I used to be. Uh, but so uh, it's, it's from the book of Ephesians, and uh, I thought we would just do a little synopsis of the book of Ephesians before we actually read the scriptures. So just for the book of Ephesians, you know, you can divide it into it's six chapters, and you can take the first three chapters, because they kind of are uh, alike, and then you can take the final th- three chapters. So let's just do that first of all. So the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians, here's what we learn from those, uh, and th- this is just a few things. Uh, we're saved by grace through faith. That's huge. Uh, we're seated in heavenly places. That's huge. We just sang it. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings, huge. Past tense, we are blessed, past tense, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And then we're his workmanship created for good works. Those are just some of the things in the first three chapters that are huge and they're wonderful. And then the final three chapters, they're more, the the first three are very spiritual. The, The final three are more practical. And so the final three that, here's what we learned, we put off the old man, and put on the new, very practical. Uh, Let him that stole steal no more, that's practical. Uh, Put away lying and speak the truth, very practical. Husbands, love your wives, practical. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. So you see the first three chapters are very spiritual, and then the next three chapters are very practical, and and that's generally the book of Ephesians. So here's what we can say further uh, as we just talk a little bit about it, that we're informed of where we are and afterwards told to live and work from that place. So you find out that you're seated in heavenly places. We find out where we are in the book of Ephesians. And just a little thought about Paul the Apostle. You know, there's Peter and Paul, you know, and we've used that, you know, all of us throughout the years, we go, you know, we come up with statements that you rob Peter to pay Paul, and I don't know if anybody ever, you know, if you're in banking and you're balancing your finances, you know, we've had those statements. But Peter and Paul were both great apostles. And uh, so Peter walked with Jesus, and Paul didn't. And Paul killed and persecuted Christians and Peter walked with Jesus the whole time, and Peter, you know, you know told Jesus, I'll, I'll never turn my back on you, and I'll never forsake you, and, and I'll die for you. But he actually, you know, did become fearful, and he did uh, deny Jesus, etc. And Paul, the whole time, he wasn't walking with Jesus. 
But Paul gets saved after killing Christians, and Paul's the one that gets taken up to heaven, and God decided to give him the Pauline revelation that we call the epistle. You know, Paul, Pauline, that's where you get that from. Paul got the heaviest revelation. He got the most information about what God did in his son Christ. Paul got it. So Peter even said, if you read the book of Peter, that Paul says things that are hard to understand. You know, because, because uh, Peter, you have to have the Holy Spirit to even understand what Paul says. Uh, and, and so this is what we're reading. You know, the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians is some of the best New Testament doctrine you're going to get. It's wonderful. So, so we're first informed of where we are. We're seated in heavenly places. And then we're told to live and work from that place. And then we're also informed of what we have and afterwards told to use it, the second three chapters. And then we're also first informed of who we are and afterwards, we're told to act like it. And that's basically a little synopsis of the book of Ephesians. So, with that said, let's read some scriptures, okay? So, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And notice uh, the armor is uh, so we can stand and then verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, stand, uh, able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to, uh, to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness which that's what we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness bulletproof vest and then and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keeping alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints so very powerful portion of scripture also and so what we see uh, there uh, we see the armor mentioned there so just you know make it simple here's what we see there look at these pieces of armor we have the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness uh, this month. So today, and Patsy will speak tomorrow, I mean tomorrow, uh, next Sunday. Then we'll have the machine gun preacher. And then uh, on the last Sunday, I'll finish up the series. Then you have the shoes, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Now here's a few thoughts about uh, this armor. Here's the first thing, that God designed and gave us the armor. So this armor we're talking about wasn't designed by, you know, MI6. You know, Daniel Craig didn't design it. Who's, who's the first uh, guy over there? Like, I forgot who, you know, Tom Cruise didn't design it. It was designed by God. 
okay? And then he gave it to us. But then it says for us to take it up. So interesting that there's this armor, but then he says, now you take up the armor. In other words, we can choose to take up the armor or not, okay? And then it's, uh, it says the armor was designed for spiritual warfare, not for a flesh and blood fight. Now, that's a big one. You know, we're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. There's like a spiritual war going on, and because it's spiritual, we can't see it. So year, years ago, it was, I don't know if I was married yet, but I was in a meeting with the late Kenneth Hagin. He's gone home to be with the Lord. We had his son here not long ago who just turned 79 years old. But this meeting was for mainly pastors, so it was quite a large auditorium that could seat 2,000 people, almost full of all pastors. And then he got, he got a word for this one pastor. He said, there's a pastor sitting over here, and he said, three of your board members... Uh, this is what's going on with your board members. You know, uh, one of them was especially giving him a hard time. And he said to this pastor, you think this fight is in the flesh, but it's not a fleshly fight. It's going on, it's happening in the realm of the spirit. And you can fix this if you use your spiritual authority and command the devil and the spiritual realm from influencing your board members. And he said, but here's how it's going to turn out. And he said, one of them is going to resign, and one of them this and one of them that. I don't remember the other two things. So this pastor took it. He went back, and we're friends with him, and we've known him for a long time, so he told us all this personally. He went back and used his spiritual authority and did exactly what he was uh, told to do by Brother Hagen. And Brother Hagen was, of course, speaking in the Spirit. And exactly everything happened exactly the way one of the board members resigned. The other two stopped fighting him in the flesh, and everything worked out well. So you can even think, you know, it's, it's no, no doubt about it. The devil wants to destroy marriages. And even in some marriages and even relationships between parents and children, if you don't think there's stuff going on in the realm of the spirit... And some of it can be fixed by using authority and by praying. And then you think you've got a fleshly fight going on where you always are going at it, but you'd be surprised sometimes how much is, is what's behind it. Does that make sense? Okay, so just that, that was a little side journey, but it can help. So uh, the armor was designed for spiritual warfare, not for a flesh and blood fight. Uh, so with the armor, the Christian can do spiritual battle and win. And we just said exactly what that pastor did. He won, okay? So here's another thing. We're told to be strong in the Lord, not ourselves. So this armor, as we said, was designed by God, not us. And it's not ours, it's his. And so when we think, you know, sometimes, you know, because of, you know, being macho, you know, and even you saw the bulletproof vest and you saw the guy with muscles. But, you know, I'm, you know, most people know who Joel Osteen is. But I go back longer, so I knew his father. You know, not very well. My wife knew his father better. But I remember the first time I met John Osteen. That's Joe's father. And I just saw him on TV. And when I heard him speaking on TV, I thought, this guy is a monster, man. You know, in my mind, I thought he was this tall. 
because you see him on TV. When I met John Osteen, he was about that tall. And I thought, powerful things come in small packages. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So what do we say? It doesn't, you know, we always think macho, and we think put on the armor of God, and if you, but you know, hey, you can be meek. You can be small and meek, and you can be powerful because it's his armor, and we're told to be strong in him, not ourselves, okay? So the armor is also, it was designed for both offense and defense, okay? With that said, let's start getting into some stuff here. So the reason we're calling it, you know, we see it's called the breastplate of righteousness, but we're calling this bulletproof because, let's face it, today's military, they're not using swords. You know, if they had swords and all that, somebody would just drop a bomb on them or shoot them down with a machine gun. So, you know, there's different things now. So they designed a bulletproof vest because they use bullets more than swords. So in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14, uh, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's the King James. Let's look at two other translations here. It'll help us see it better. Uh, uh, Here's the New Living Translation. The body armor of God's righteousness. I like the way that sounds, the body armor of God's righteousness. God's righteousness is like body armor, okay? God's righteousness is like body armor. Let's look at another one. Righteousness like armor on your chest. So it's righteousness like armor on our chest. So here's like, you can put that pick up, and this is the Roman, the piece, you know, with the Roman army, and uh, if you guys saw the gladiator, which I no was a very uh, gory movie uh but i I watched it years ago and you know being italian you know most italians at least have to look uh watch the gladiator so (laughs) my name's gladiator remember when he did that when that king was pressing he he wanted to know his name and he goes my name's gladiator russell crowe anyway sorry about that (laughs) my wife's giving me the look there I'm back on, hun. <laughs> Excuse me. So the, we could say the purpose of the bulletproof vest is to protect the heart and the lungs and the stomach and the intestines and the other vital organs. So this vest was designed to protect things that are vital. So, you know, God chose to say the breastplate of righteousness. So what God is telling us, an understanding of righteousness protects the vital things that we need to do Christianity, you know, our, even our spiritual heart. Think about this, you know, the Bible tells us that faith is of the heart, not your physical heart, but the spiritual heart. So if you're going to ha- be able to use your faith, it's of the heart. And then the Bible also says out of our belly, not our natural belly, but out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. So two important things, releasing faith and even praying and releasing the Holy Ghost they come from vital places for, you know, when it comes to Christianity. It's, it's vital. So God is saying righteousness protects the vital things for us to do our Christianity. We could say it that way. Okay, so we want to look in. So now, you know, we're, we're, here's the modern day thing. There's a bulletproof vest there, you know, and uh, so we're going to uh, say a few things. So here's the first thing we want to say about this, what we're talking about this month, it's in the name. And what do I mean by that? Well, we learn about this vest 
by what God named it. So again, it says the body armor of God's righteousness. He, did, he, he didn't say the body armor of faith, you know, that covers those. He, he didn't, he, the word he chose was righteousness. Now I have to say that, and you guys have heard me say before, I was a clown when I went to school, always in trouble. I especially did not do good in English. Spelling, reading and writing and spelling. I did good in arithmetic. There used to be something that rhymed like that. But I did not do good with my English and with spelling and all that. So then I get saved, and somebody gives me a King James Bible. I couldn't even do simple American English, let alone old English, British. And then all of a sudden, I get this King James Bible, and it's like sanctification and righteousness and justification. I'm thinking, where did these words come from? I've never heard these words in my life. So here we have one of these words, righteousness. You know, the first time I heard it is when I got a King James Bible. So, you know, righteousness, we could say righteousness is right standing with God. We could say that. It's really easy. I'm righteous. I'm in right standing with God. But we can, righteousness can be your behavior. You know, you can describe somebody's behavior. They're righteous because of maybe their behavior. We know one thing about God. He's righteous. And he's the standard of all righteousness. And so then we know that when you get saved, that God puts you in right standing with himself. So we could say that we're righteous because God, we accepted Jesus as our Lord, and now we're in right standing with him, okay? So all of that said, he decided to call this piece of armor, this vest, righteousness. So it's in the name. The name helps us to know how to understand it, and it's righteousness that we're talking about. So let's, let's, let's make it simpler. When I was growing up pretty young, still under my parents' care, I wasn't driving yet, and I was one of those ones, as soon as I turned the legal age, I made sure my father taught me how to drive, and I made sure I got my license as soon as I could. Couldn't wait. But this is before I could drive, before I had my license, and the Beatles came out. The Beatles. They're on the radio, they're on TV. We used to have the Ed Solomon Show. Some of you see, I, James has been around long enough to know about the Ed Sullivan Show. And Ed Sullivan had all the big name people, and he introduced the Beatles, and they came on, I love you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I got, I start really liking the drums. I thought, man, I like the way those drums sound with the Beatles. You know, bass drum, really a nice, crisp snare drum. You know, and even today, by the way, you know, Daniel, when you're sitting out there, the bass drum and the snare drum was nice and crisp. It really sounded good. You know, I just had, and I thought, I want to be a drummer. I want to be a drummer. So I thought, how can I be a drummer? And I, my father wouldn't buy me a drum set, so I thought, I, gotta, I need to make my own drum set, you know? So I, I you, know, you know, you can only do things based upon your ability, your knowledge, your resources and stuff. So my ability, my resources, and my knowledge, I kind of made my own drum set. And there's a kind of like right there but I, I wanted to be one of the Beatles. And so with my resources and my ability and my knowledge, I put together a little drum set there. You know, that's kind of like what we do when it depends how we're resourced and what we have. Okay, but well, even though I did that, you know, I, I knew the drum set that... Uh, Ringo Starr, thank you. I was going to say John Lennon, but it was Ringo was the drummer for the Beatles. So Ringo, Ringo Starr's drum set 
wasn't like that. He wasn't getting the crisp snare drum off of that trash can there. There was a big company that had a lot of resources, that had know-how and all that, that made Ringo's drum set. And so it kind of looked like that drum set, the Ludwig, which sounds German. I don't know where it was made, but it sure does sound German. But my first drum set, I ended up playing drums for a while. My first drum set, when my father finally bought me one, was a Ludwig. And, uh, and so there was a big company that had a lot of resources that was able to put something together to do the job. But myself and what I had, I didn't really do a good job. You know, and then, you know, uh, I decided to make my own bulletproof vest. Okay. And there again, my resources and my ability and my, you know, knowledge of how to make a bulletproof vest. And there's my, the vest, you know, it, it was made out of cardboard. It's just all I had. You know, I was doing it myself. It's me and me alone, my ability, my resources, and I made that, that vest. And, uh, you know, when you, when you make something that's really, something that really should be important and crucial, and you make it with inferior, inferior resources and inferior knowledge, you know, it doesn't really do the job. And so what happens is tragedy, and this is not a funny thing, there's a person, there's a lawsuit that was filed against a bulletproof vest maker because of, uh, it didn't work. And so when you try to do things with yourself and your ability and it's inferior, it doesn't always turn out right. But thank God, again, the big companies and the corporations, they have the skills, the resources, it's something bigger than yourself. And then look what happens there. You, you have a bulletproof vest that works. Okay, so what am I saying? Here's what I'm saying is like, here's the first question. When we say this breastplate of righteousness, we have to make this determination. Is the righteousness of that uh, breastplate, is it God's righteousness or is it our righteousness? How do we take that up and put it on? And how we see that is critical. Look at Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. It says, we are all infected and impure with sin when we display our righteous deeds they are nothing but filthy rags and so when we talk about this righteousness this vest is it god's righteousness or is it our righteousness that we're talking about and and it's surprising if you look uh and if you do some googling and do a little research on this there's many opinions that this, righteous, this vest that we're talking about is our righteousness that makes the vest versus God's righteousness. So for every Christian, you have to make a determination, is this vest your righteousness or is it God's righteousness? All right, so what we see here is the Bible actually says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. Now look at this pic here. It was very hard to find this, but here's a man that it was hard to find a man that had filled dirty rags on. But here's a man with dirty rags. Do you think that man would be protected by a bullet right now? But that's, you know, that's, that's, that's like a, a photo of our righteousness. It's just dirty rags. Can't stop any bullets, okay? Here's another scripture. Look at Romans chapter 9 and verse 31. It says, But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed 
in reaching what they... So they tried of their own self to pursue something that would lead to God's standard of holiness and, and righteousness, but it did not succeed, okay? Let's, uh, let's look at another scripture, Romans chapter 10 and verse 3. It says, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking, this is talking about Israel, and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So this is talking about Israel. So Israel had Jesus. Jesus was right there, and he brought grace. Moses, we know, the law came by who? Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus. So here, you know, they already had the law. Jesus shows up with grace and truth, but Israel decided to continue, most of them. There's some Jewish people that accepted Christ as their Savior, but they decided to continue to establish their own righteousness, and they did not submit to God's righteousness. So this breastplate of righteousness, this vest that we're talking about, you can only put it on, in a sense, through humility. The way that you perceive it and understand it is the way you'll put it on. And so here's some examples of that. Uh, if you perceive the, this righteousness, this uh, vest, this breastplate as your own righteousness, you'll put it on a certain way. If you perceive it as God's, you'll put it on in a different way. So let's have an example. This is how you put on the vest if you think it's your righteousness. And by doing so, people that would think this vest is their righteousness and they put it on that way, Normally, the Christian life and your Christian journey is like a roller coaster ride. It's up and down. And it can go up and down in two different ways. So here's, let's, let's do it this way. Here's an example of somebody putting on this vest and seeing it as their righteousness. First thing is self-righteousness. So here's an example on how they do it. I'm coming to you, God, and I'm coming to you, I'm like one of your sons, and I've been doing great. Man, I'm doing everything you told me to do. Like, I am righteous, man. Like, I didn't even make any mistakes the last 24 hours, man. I, I just like, I am so good, and I'm just coming to you, and I expect you to hear me, and I expect you to give me what I want because I'm righteous, man. You know, that's called self-righteousness, you know, going to God that way, you know. Lord, I come to you, and I'm proud to say I'm holy, and I'm living holy. So I expect you to hear me, and I expect you to answer me. You know, that's what you call self-righteousness. That's putting on the vest. That's really going to protect you. Not, no. But here's the other way. Here is the guilt. These are people that would not understand righteousness and, and where it comes from. So here's the, the guilt-ridden way. This is the other, you know, the roller coaster. This person's on a high of self-righteousness, but, you know, they could make their mistake, and then the next time they approach God, they're down at the bottom. When the roller coaster gets to the bottom, it's the guilt-ridden person. <laughs> Lord, I did it again. Man, I, I just keep doing this. You know, I just keep messing up. I, I, I just come into you, and I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a worm. I mean, I'm just so worthless. 
I told you I wouldn't do it again, but I did do it again, and now here I am, and, and, and you're probably busy. You've got a lot of things to do. You know, and here I am, a worm, and you've got to use your time listening to me, and you shouldn't even listen to me. I mean, I, just never mind. I just give up. I'm just forget it, Lord. That's the, the guilt-ridden Christian thinking that it's their righteousness either way. It's like a roller coaster Christian ride and journey. Okay, so we could say this. Our personal goodness, our behavior, would be a weak piece of armor. A bulletproof vest with holes in it. Either self-righteous or full of guilt. That's the way it is. Okay, now look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Because let's look at it as this is God's righteousness. And so Romans 5 and verse 17 says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life, not a roller coaster, but reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. And so understanding righteousness, when we talk about the breastplate, the vest that protects the vital uh, parts of our Christianity, our heart is vital. And so a heart that's unsure, a heart that's condemned, a heart that's self-righteous is a heart that's not, you know, it's, it, it, it hurts Christianity. It hurts us uh, in such a way. So here's the first thing that we see, that it's a gift, the gift of righteousness. And then these, these two things, abundant grace and the gift of righteousness. When somebody understands abundant grace and the gift of righteousness, they reign in life. Consistency. Not happy one day and sad the next, but understanding that God loves me, that God has cleansed me, that God has raised me up and seated me in heavenly places, that God has declared me righteous, and I'm not going to be up and down. Now, now, now you know, so I know that you might say, well, Pastor Tony, talking that way, you're, you're, are you given a license for everyone to go out and do what they want to do? Well, as an older preacher said one time, people already have the license, and they've, they've been doing what they want to do and sinning anyway. So, that, you know, but here's, here's what the Bible says. It says, awake unto righteousness and sin not. You keep talking about who you are and what you have, and you awake unto it, and guess what? You'll, you'll, you'll change. You'll stop the sinning when you awake to who you are. But if you only talk about who, what you're doing wrong, you'll do more wrong. So that's why we say this, because that's the way out, to keep saying who we are. So the gift, the free gift of righteousness helps us to reign in life. So we could say this, we can receive Jesus' perfect life as a bulletproof vest. In other words, this vest that we're talking about, it protects the vital parts of our Christianity. It, my heart is steady. I know that he loves me the way I am. I know that he loved me when I was a sinner. He loved me and I got saved. I know ever since now, because of what I see there, he consistently loves me. Whether I pray uh, an hour a day or whether I forget to pray, whether I take time to pray or I don't take time to pray, whether I read my Bible or I don't read my Bible, I know that he loves me the same every day. I'm consistent. I know that he cleanses me all the time. It is consistency. I have no doubt and there's no guilt that I'm going to allow in my life. And you know what? That makes me want to love. I don't read my Bible so he doesn't get mad. I read my Bible because I want to. Yeah. 
And if I don't read it, he's not going to, you know, make my mother-in-law move in with me. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I have the most awesome mother-in-law. She's welcome to move in any time, you know. Are you seeing? Okay. Praise the Lord. So you see what I'm saying today. I trust this is a help. We put him on. That breastplate, that vest is his righteousness. And it brings consistency and peace and joy. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today, Lord. I trust that as we looked into your word, what we said helps people, that it, it helps everyone, Father, to walk out their Christian lives, to do the journey. It helps everyone during the week to live victoriously and reign in life. Thank you for it, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rana.org.au.